What is with all these apologies today? <laughs> I, uh, I only did approximately, like, uh, like, 57 minutes of my homework. You didn't watch all of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> the movie that you picked? Yeah, I wasn't gonna say anything. I oh, but now waited. it's up into the air. I know. Yeah, I, I want to be air. transparent. I don't want to be that guy. So it's I'm okay. being this we, guy. We now have it on record who is uh, the host who does his homework all the way is me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to follow this up with some nice things. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> you know, like how I figured this would be like one of those movies that it'd be acceptable for since I've seen it 50,000 times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't I... watch the new ending that was on... Uh... Oh, there's Netflix. a new ending. <laughs> on HBO Max? Yeah, the HBO X Max uh, ending. Stop. <laughs> that's not real. Grumble hasn't even seen the movie. What's happening? <laughs> oh, man. That's fine. I've seen it enough times for both of us. All right. I'm angry. Let's start this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually angry. But anyway, hello. Welcome back, everyone. This is Ruining Movies, the podcast in which we, with you, Wonderful audience, ruin movies. This week we are talking about Hot Fuzz, Edgar Wright's second movie in the Cornetto trilogy, and one of my favorites. It is a must-see, like Tevis just said in chat. Yarp for the greater good. But yeah. before we get into ruining that movie and discussing it, we have some movie news to talk about. Not too much movie news. It's actually been kind of a slow week. But I do want to start... <laughs> tonight off Shane with this article I just finished reading before we started okay I'm ready Uh, I'm just gonna read this is up from the Guardian I'm just gonna read the 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 title of this article Russian man trapped on Chinese reality TV show finally voted out after three months (laughs) (laughs) it is a episode of black fear but in real life um so vladislav ivanov uh pretty much from this article is he was a 27 year old who found got this like flyer to like try out a new life and go on this uh singing show and he immediately hated it but the thing uh-huh. is people being people really didn't I don't know if they re- didn't realize, like, he was miserable on camera and he just kept telling people not to vote for him, which, if anyone knows anything about the internet, if you tell the internet not to do something, they're going to do it, and he made it all the way to the finals. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. He, he's been, he was on, uh, he, he was quoted saying, don't love me, you'll get no results. Um... <laughs> When, like, all the other competitors were doing, like, high pop, like, great performances, he was doing, like, half-hearted Russian raps. <laughs> and he kept saying, please don't make me go to the finals, I'm tired. Oh, and no. obviously signed a contract. He couldn't leave oh, without breaking no. it. And I guess, um, the main thing about it is others, like, millennials and the generations younger than us, we love people who just are doomers who hate life who are just like fuck the system and i don't know if people thought that he was doing a bit there being like all grumpy and anti-celebrity and stuff <laughs> so they kept voting for him being like hell yeah <laughs> but he made it all the way to the end oh man that's rough <laughs> that is rough but also like it is like a black mirror episode it's just yeah actually 
That is like on my nightmare, like an absolute nightmare. Signing a contract and then just like realizing you don't like what you're doing and but being stuck and just begging people to kick you out and everyone's like you're so relatable we also hate doing our jobs and it just keeps going so uh wow he's free now so i guess okay I just thought of a topic based on that that somehow we haven't spoken about in all the times we've had this podcast. Yeah. Um, Because I guess it is similar if you want to think of it this way. Although, okay, so we're going to talk about Britney Spears for a second. Okay. Because I heard that she had said that all the conspiracies and stuff are nonsense. But there's these, like, conspiracies that all of her Instagram posts and stuff are, like, embedded with secrets and codes that all call back to, like, her um, being, uh, you know, set free. And I know that there's the Hulu documentary about it. I'm familiar with, like, the lore surrounding the situation. Very tragic. Very tragic. Yeah, it's it's not great. I haven't seen the documentary, but, like, I'm kind of in the know. Yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with, like, um, her dad pretty much taking ownership. Like, mm-hmm. that's such a crazy thing that someone can take ownership of, like, your person um, by making yeah. it seem like you are mentally unstable and then just taking over all your money, all your like, your mm-hmm. entire life. Um, yeah. it's, it's good that she is free now. I think the latest court case has freed her, but... um. Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. No, I didn't know that. I was just going to ask, like, what you thought about, like, the conspiracies around her, like, Instagram posts and stuff. Well, I mean, there's um, always cons- those, those conspiracy. As someone who, God, it's weird saying you like conspiracy theories in 2021 because they've been hijacked by the worst people. And, I mean, they've mm-hmm. always been hijacked by the worst people. Alex Jones um, used to be, like, not as anti-Semitic, <laughs> I yeah. guess. But now, like, QAnon and stuff have really ruined conspiracy circles as someone who likes a good Bigfoot tale and a Mothman tale. Um, it is really hard yeah. to get into conspiracy things and, like, the whole, like, there's the whole, like, New World Order and Illuminati and stuff. And Yeah, it's like, when you say conspiracy theories, people are like, and it's like, no, wait. <laughs> like, not, yeah, I, I want to talk about, like, Bigfoot. <laughs> I just want to get weird for a second. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to, like, get you know i'm not promoting q just... yeah yeah it's not like that i just want to like go down the i want to go down the rabbit hole not yeah not that whatever that is exactly <laughs> what yeah exactly um but anyway uh apparently she had come out and said that um there was no conspiracy surrounding any of her posts however i'm sure i'm positive that if you google it <laughs> there's I just am. like a litany of people that are like this is a crazy post by her and it's like a picture of her <laughs> in fact i know because i just watched a tiktok recently she's just it's just a picture of her in front of like some flowers and someone was like this flower means this and this means this and it's like the charlie wall and it's always sunny in the the pepe sylvia <laughs> and uh pepe sylvia <laughs> And uh, I'm pretty sure she said that, like, there's no conspiracies or anything, but it's just wild to see, like, the it, stuff that people come up with, I guess. It is. It is. It's it's this weird phenomenon that happens with conspiracy theories. Like, 
most conspiracy theories are rooted usually in something in real life. Yeah. Like, that you can always find a tie to an event or something that happened. It's never as extreme or fantastical as the conspiracy theorist people want it to be. And they always have to think that, like, there's some greater evil behind it. Like, the Britney Spears thing recently with her father was very real. Yes. The Instagram thing seems like extra drama that people just want. Mm-hmm. So they make it up in their heads. Which is, like, the problem with conspiracy theories. Like, there is this actual problem that uh, Britney Spears has been dealing with that luckily it finally seems we're getting some light to it. But people don't... They want more to that. They want more of that drama, more of that Mm. just stuff. Um, Gotta fill their time. Exactly. Exactly. It's, um... It's the weird parasocial relationship that, like, people get attached to other people's lives on the internet really easy, and then they just, like look at everything they do and try to be like this is what's really happening and it's just not good um it's not great (laughs) no i'm reading this article right now that uh britney spears clears up fan conspiracy theories and it pretty much is just like what i said she was like no yeah okay for sure that's why i i prefaced with that yeah like i didn't want anybody to think that i was like decoding Britney Spears' right. Instagram, because I'm not. Right. Uh, Tevisor uh, just said, uh, we want to distract ourselves from the real conspiracies, which is something I wholly, fully agree with, is that's usually what conspiracy theories are, is there is something that is very easy to see, but we are we want the more fantastical idea yeah. of a bunch of people sitting around a large circular table like doing that <laughs> thing with Mr. Burns' hands about all of our lives and that's the reason why everything sucks not because of other more blatant <laughs> reasons it's because of the shadow cabal which yeah. is like yeah but um yeah which i think Britney Spears and the Russian man trapped um i am glad the Russian man is now free yeah, so. these both seem like stories with decent endings at the moment. Yeah. I feel, Hopefully. I felt bad for laughing and then reading and be like, that sucks. Yeah. You were reading that to me and I was just fucking cracking up. And yeah. then like the more I thought about it, I was like, oh no, this guy, I feel bad. That That's rough. <laughs> yeah. Had a rough go of it. Um, For how long was he there? Um, I think like nine months. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, which it's like, it sucks because, like, how many times do you, like, when you're younger, well, 27, he's our age. Um, <laughs> uh, like, if someone's like, if you would like this new life or want to try this something out, out, I would probably still be like, sure, let's try it. But then getting stuck on a variety show for like 11 months is actually like a nightmare <laughs> of mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's rough. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh... <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, it seemed like an appropriate segue, but now I it don't is. have a similar one. It is. Um, um, well, so maybe hard. we'll just... Well, uh, oh, let me see. Let me... Let me see. Um, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Uh, maybe we'll it. just knock this one out right yeah, now. Because yeah, yeah. it. uh, it's... 
I know that it isn't our thing, but it is entertainment, so I'm counting it because uh, though I didn't watch this week's movie, uh, it's because my Saturday night was consumed with something else. Uh, as you all know, I'm a fan of UFC. I just have to talk about one thing. Because... We need to have like a little like UFC corner with Shane where you just <laughs> take it over. And I just agree. Yeah, I just nod my head and agree with everything you say. Uh-huh. Well, this is just crazy because uh, like the poetry of this moment, right? So yeah. two or not two years ago, years ago, this guy, Chris Weidman and this other guy, Anderson Silva, step into the ring. Right. And yeah. uh, Anderson Silva throws a kick at Chris Weidman and Chris Weidman checks his kick and Anderson Silva's leg breaks in half. Oh, we're talking about that. OK, I've seen terrible that. moment. Right. Yeah. It is like a catastrophe in the UFC. It's honestly like one in a million. It's just bad luck. It's just bad for a fighter, obviously. Big sympathy to everybody that is involved in all these stories. But that was years ago. Yeah. So remember that name, Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman, got <laughs> Flash it. Flash forward to this last Saturday. Chris Weidman is in a fight with Uriah Hall. The first 30 seconds of the fight, Chris Weidman throws a leg kick at Uriah Hall. Uriah, Uriah Hall checks it. Chris, Le- Chris Weidman's leg breaks in half. The fight ends. Yeah, that's so. Uh... So uh, it's uh, again a super huge tragedy. Shout out to all the fighters involved. Best of best wishes to Chris Weidman. Uh, hope you have a uh, quick recovery and all that. Um, but I just want to like the poetry of this, right? Th- this this specific thing, someone's leg breaking in in the UFC, has happened two times. Yeah, ever. that is absolutely actually. Nuts. The UFC has existed since 1993. Has it really? Yeah. (laughs) Both instances of this happening had the same man in the ring. Dude, I would not get in the ring with that guy. And he was on both sides of it. He broke a leg and then had his leg broke like years later. It's just it I I've just struggled to like wrap my mind around like the cosmic irony of this situation. And uh, Yeah. That is pretty nuts. It's like the um you hear of the story with the guy in Japan who was, like, uh, in the city of Hiroshima, and then he survived the first uh, atomic bomb and then drove to the other place that was also bombed and survived that. Uh-huh. Which, yeah. Like, and there's, like, all those cases where, like, people are, like, in multiple plane crashes, get, like, struck by lightning, like, a yeah. couple of times. Just like don't play the lottery, Chris Weidman. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, it's crazy how, like, statistically, those things are pretty much impossible, but, like, yeah. you have abnormalities where, like, one person just is in the worst <laughs> places multiple times. It's such bad luck, and I feel so bad for laughing about it. I'm, I'm again, best wishes to Chris Weidman and his family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to put that out there cause it is entertainment related and it was uh, part of my, a huge part of my Saturday night and one of the craziest things that I've ever seen. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. I'm um, talking gross. about, um, a fighter who has finally been knocked down. Go with me. I don't know if this is going to make sense. Um, <laughs> citizen um, Kane loses. It's a hundred percent fresh rating. After oh. eighty-year-old negative review is found and added to Rotten Tomato, so I like again. We've talked about <laughs> ratings don't really care, Matt. Don't really matter. I shouldn't say don't care. Don't matter. But it is what? so funny that an eighty-year-old negative review is someone pulled from just to knock Citizen Kane out of a hundred percent fresh. Uh, I'm gonna get a lot of flack here from 
film film uh, people who like film and movies. Citizen Kane is great, but it's not a hundred percent. I'd say it's probably like eighty three. I might get some flack, but I've never seen Citizen Kane. <laughs> it's it's Citizen Kane is a movie that I I think people should watch. It is really good. It has some really um like how do I want to say this really fantastic shots and really innovative shots for the time and it is a good story um i mean orson wells kills whatever he made um killed whatever he made um but there's never anything that's like a hundred percent like and citizen kane has been always been like hung over as like the greatest film of all time it is great i do recommend watching it um but it is it's not the greatest of all time hot fuzz is obviously <laughs> that was gonna be my question. Oh God! Um, I guess uh, if you had to give a movie ten out of ten, a hundred percent, nothing wrong with it. Uh, Chat. I'm gonna throw this out to you guys too. Uh, what is your a hundred percent ten out of ten movie? Nothing is could go wrong in it. You can watch it a hundred percent. Everything is perfect. Can I have the week to think about it? <laughs> you can. Um, I'm going to throw out the Blade Runner Final Cut. I think Blade Runner Final Cut does nothing wrong. It is the perfect film. Um, Tevisor said 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, I, I could argue probably that pretty much every Kubrick film is 100%. Like, doesn't miss. Uh, is so great. 2001 A Space Odyssey is yeah. definitely up there. Um I mean, I think 2001 A Space Odyssey is Kubrick's best film. And I'm like, The Shining is one of my favorite films. Um, National Treasure from Grumble Now. I gotta say, National Treasure, I know people, there's people like nowadays who don't like it. National Treasure kind of rules. Dude, it's a banger. <laughs> it's a banger. <laughs> like, if you haven't seen the first National Treasure, it's a good one. It is. A lot of people give a lot of unnecessary flack to, to Nicolas Cage, I think. I, I mean,. Nicholas Cage, ten out of ten, like hundred <laughs> percent actor. I have, I'm not gonna lie, like the guy's had some stinkers, but who hasn't? I, he's dedicated to his craft. Like even Robert Pattinson had Twilight. Exactly. Um, the thing is, if you are an actor like Nicholas Cage or an artist who does a film every year, you're going to have some that aren't good. Right. Um, but I mean, then the man's gotta work. But yeah, exactly. But then you have what, like Con Air, Face Off. Face Off is. Dude, I will fight Claire anyone who says Face so Off is a bad good. movie. I will fight I people who don't like Face Off. Um, there Con is, is the movie from The Rock. The Rock, <laughs> the Rock is so awesome. Yeah, uh, Color Out of Space. Uh, oh, Mandy. Of space Mandy is also, I think, his greatest performance. Uh, there was the one where he's a vampire. Um, National Treasure. National Treasure Two. You know, yeah, um, <laughs> Nicholas Cage is the man. He does it. He, he yeah. does it. Um, so uh, yes, again, the Family yeah. Man is actually like my favorite Christmas movie. Ghost Rider was great. Uh, I don't think I've ever really, seen Family Man. It's really good. It's heartwarming and sad and everything, but it's good. Mm. There's one film that is not Ghost Rider because people are going to say Ghost Rider as soon as I describe this film that I saw with Nicholas Cage in it once. Um, but he breaks out of hell oh, by stealing a car, mm -hmm. and then he does a bunch of crazy things. And like the most vivid scene from that movie is like he's having sex in the middle of a 
shootout, which is the most yeah. insane thing ever. Do you know what that movie is? I can't remember what it's called, but I've seen it because at the end he goes off on like the mob or something. There's like a bunch of dudes in a cult. Yeah. And he just fucking murders everyone. Yeah, and I remember that. I don't know what it's called. Like, there's like an angel cop chasing him too. It's. <laughs> I need to I'm know what this movie it is. It is one of the most insane. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Uh, just go to his filmography. I'll know it immediately. Drive angry. Just yeah. Drive angry. Wow. That was cool. I feel like no one's seen it, but it's it was pretty it was pretty crazy. He had some like interesting like cameo work too, right? I feel like he was in. He just yeah, makes like funny. he's Spider Man Noir and Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, which was um, cool. He played Superman and Teen Titans Go the to the movies. Well, that's because um in the nineties Kevin Smith wanted to direct a Superman film with him as the lead, and they have him oh. with like test shots and stuff, but it never came. That's so cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, Untitled yeah. Joe Exotic project. He's going to yeah, be Joe Exotic? Yeah, he's going to be Joe Exotic. I think it's a Netflix <laughs> series coming out. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, I mean, he also has a pyramid that he's going to die and be buried in. Which is kind of nuts. He, I know he owned an island at one point. I don't know if he still does, but he oh, did. He Oh, I forgot he, he was... lived on an island far away from lots of people. Yeah. Um. Man. Yeah. I don't know. There are movies that I've watched like dozens and dozens and dozens of times. There's so many movies. Yeah. But like, when I think of like a ten out of ten movie, I don't know. I mean, you I guys say like Hot Fuzz is up there too for me. Yeah, you guys grabbed a couple. Hot Fuzz is good, like you said. Kubrick is strong. I keep going back to The Shining in my head because I've. Mm-hmm seen it a million times and i'd watch it a million more the muppets movie the muppets movie the original one um dude i know that you love the muppets but like i don't know if i've ever seen a piece of muppets media okay i think we're gonna have to watch one next for next i'll have to see if they're on anything and then we'll watch them they're on disney plus i think right they might be oh yeah because i'm angry that disney bought out the muppets I forgot that's something I'm you angry You forgot at. you were angry I about it. I forgot that I was angry about that. I'm angry at Disney about a lot of things. <laughs> that's one of them. However, on that note, another perfect segue in media this week. Um, uh, Disney purchased or came to an agreement with Sony. So now you can will be able to watch Spider-Man films on Disney+. Plus. Oh my god, I just opened up Disney Plus and I just got a thing saying they're increasing my the goddamn subscription price. Leave me alone. Yep. Leave me alone, Disney. <laughs> Isn't it enough that you're everywhere that I look? I watch ESPN owned by Disney. They literally yeah. own everything. Watch uh, ABC owned by Disney. The Muppets, Disney, National Geographic, Disney. <laughs> Um. Oh, there's actually. With this was a weird thing. There's a Marvel Modoc show coming out. I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm uh, I'm hyped for it, but I just the only reason I said it was weird is because of this like Marvel Disney contract. But it's like a Hulu original. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's more adulty. I have no idea how this fucking stuff works. 
yeah, I don't know. It's contract. like, yeah, I don't know. Um, they tried to do Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider, and Agents of Shield, and they somehow made uh, Ghost Rider CGI worse. This piece is a TV show, but they did do the Ghost Rider that I do like, who has a car. Honestly, I kind of liked the way that the Agents of Shield Ghost Rider looked for it being on TV. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Um, I've seen clips. It wasn't... I mean, it's t- like it's TV CGI. Like, you right. have to realize it's not going to be great. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay. News-wise, let me try to segue into stuff. Like, this has been a pretty slow week for news. Um, the Oscars happened. Don't really have much to say about that. Nomadland won. I'm very interested in seeing that film. Um, it's just... kind of a shame that it's taken 93 Oscars for a woman director to win twice, seeing that I come from, from my point of view, I come from a point of the film industry that is experimental and Indian and stuff, and women kill it in, like, more divert. We need more people, more people from other backgrounds making movies for so we can sure. get their, their perspective. So that kind of sucks that it took 93 to have two. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I want to see Nomadland. That's like the only thing I have to say about the Oscars. So. Yeah, uh, my dad said it was good. He watched it. Um, I watched a little bit of it. It seemed very sad. So I didn't watch anymore. Right. Oh, I saw. All right. I saw that um, Anthony Hopkins won for a best actor for being like in a movie about dementia, which is something I just don't like. I bet you he's great in it. It's just something I don't want to watch. I heard he was like in- insanely good. But again, yeah. like. I agree with you. <laughs> like, there's um, some things I just don't want to watch. That's one of them. Yeah. I just want to say, one of our local news stations put out a little Twitter poll mm-hmm. for, like, who watched the Oscars and who didn't. And uh, they had, like, over 500 people vote on their little poll. And, like, there was, like, 95% of people did not watch the Oscars. Only time i watch it is if i can get together with a group of my friends and drink while doing it yeah i mean i just uh i don't know man i I i've said it like every podcast i think if you're interested in a movie and you want to watch it you should form your own opinion on it who cares what the academy or the oscars or emmy or any of those assholes think Right. I mean, I agree. <laughs> and I don't um, hate them personally. I'm sure they're fine people. It's just, I don't even know their names. Can you name a single person on the Academy? No. Me are, neither. You don't know them. Right. Um, I mean, the Oscars, <laughs> honestly, like, have a very bad past, too. The Oscars were created to kind of, like, stop workers from, like, getting rights. Like, that's why the Oscars were created. Um, which okay. people don't know, so it's bad. Like, the Oscars have always... Yeah, the Oscars have, like, are not, like, they didn't just decide, oh, we need to be like, hey, look, this is all great. Like, it was... I, I can't remember the exact story, but it was, like, a workaround to stop, like, workers' rights. I um, take back what I said. Maybe they're not great people. I don't is. know them. That's my point. They're just exactly. people with opinions, and I, I think you should form your own opinions on media, because, you know... I will say the only thing that um um the, not the only thing there's probably like a, some good things that come out of Oscars is um the people who have their short films short documentaries of uh, indie films who do win they do usually get opportunities to actually make movies in the future like it is like if you are an independent filmmaker and you win an Oscar for like a short film or something like that greatly helps your career and that's the sure. only thing I can think of is 
like applauding the Oscars is <laughs> like it helps yeah. people who usually aren't going to get um like the limelight for it's like you can win Sundance and Canes and all that stuff. I mean, I guess those are bad examples because if you win Sundance and Canes, people are going to care about what you make. But um, if you win an Oscar, um, people are going to take your work more seriously, which is always good. But um, other than that, like best actor, best like picture, best screen writing, like it doesn't matter. It's just it's made up by a, the sh- a the, it's a conspiracy theory. I don't know who votes on them, but usually they vote wrong. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I just. I don't care who wins or loses even like I don't really participate in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't really like gear towards movies because of that. I have, right. I guess, but like, it's not like, I don't, I don't go to the Oscars section of Netflix right. and like go through them all and watch them. It's not like right. that big of a deal to me. Exactly. Like, I heard, like, if you are, like, somewhat in the know of, like, the film world, you will know, like, all the movies that are, like, nominated for Oscars. You would have heard mm-hmm. of them. Um, like, Nomadland, I've already, like, heard of before the Oscars even appeared. Um, yeah, but on that note... I want to see Veneery. Is that what it's called? Did I say that right? I don't know if I said it right. I don't know, but maybe. Um, the director of uh, Nomadland is the director of Eternals. So, last podcast I said, how soon after are we going to get a trailer's from Disney's Marvel saying from Oscar award winning director. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tonight um, at midnight. Yeah, really. Um all right, I got a segue. Okay, we got one. Um I feel like we're catching like fishing for them. <laughs> um so talking about Oscar winners and Oscar winning films, uh let's talk about Parasite. Because Parasite um is getting an HBO series. Which is uh, interesting. I don't. I don't know. I think Parasite says everything it needs to. We'll say that again. I haven't even seen the movie. I, I recommend it. It's great. Um, I think uh, one of the greatest things to come from the Oscars is um, when the director of Parasite won, which I need to look up how to say his name because I don't want to butcher it because I'm very bad at people's names. Um, we've talked about him multiple times. Um, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Um, hmm. I can't believe I forgot his name. Um, when he won, he pretty much just dunked on people not wanting to read subtitles. And what, what, he was like, watch more foreign films. You can get past the subtitles. And he just dunked on a bunch of people, which I thought was pretty neat. <laughs> Good for uh, him. Oh, he wrote Snowpiercer. And, yeah. yeah, Snowpiercer, Oju, um, Parasite, um, a bunch of nice. other stuff. He's a great director. One of the... Yeah, Snowpiercer is like better for me. Snowpiercer is a fantastic, so fantastic um, film. Uh, the Host, which is a pretty good like monster horror. Um, <laughs> Grumble now. I'll get to your question after this, but I do think that is a good question. I do want to answer that. Um, but anyway, uh, Parasite is getting an HBO series, so um, that'll be interesting. But the funny part of this is they are making it clear. But it's set in the same universe. The universe of Parasite is South Korea. <laughs> what does that mean? I, I, I get, like, film-wise, like, it's in the same cinematic universe. But it's just so funny saying, like, a, because Parasite is grounded in reality. <laughs> so right. it's, like, saying Parasite is set in the same universe. It's just, like, this universe? 
It's set in reality. <laughs> it's set in reality. It was just such a weird word, uh, weird way to f- weird wording. We really? talked about this in weeks past. How like everybody's trying to do that, like do a make universe, yeah, a universe, and have a thing. Why don't you just say you want to make a TV show? You know <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know what's a uh, weird is I think like the first really cinematic universe that we really got, um, which there probably was ones in the 70s and 80s that I'm not familiar with, it was like the Kevin Smith cinematic universe. Because, like, uh, Clerks, um, mm-hmm. like, um, Jay and Silent Bob, like, they're all, like, they're all from the same universe. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it was weird, like, um, I think, um, God, what's that one movie he made that no, you can't watch anywhere? <laughs> Just... Uh... It's uh, it has Matt Damon in it, and um, all rats, dogma, dogma. Thank you. Which I think like those are also in the same universe. Um, you can't watch dogma like anywhere. Why? I be- I, I just I don't think anyone wants the took the rights for it because it, like I don't know. <laughs> um, but like it's weird. The Kevin Smith like pretty much created the idea. Which uh, no, not talking Kevin Smith. I like Clerks a lot. But it's just um. Uh, so I don't want to be like the actually guy. Yeah, hit me with it. If I'm wrong, <laughs> hit me with it. But I I recently watched a little YouTube documentary that I found particularly interesting. It was on IGN's YouTube page. It was the Marvel Universe that the world forgot. Oh, uh, was there one before? Yeah. It, so it started with Lou Ferrigno's iteration of the hulk and then like through the years it progressed and like they had theorized this idea of tying everyone together and they basically only made it as far as like hulk and thor um i do remember the live action like and then there was like a spider-man live action that they were gonna try to intermingle into that and so and then later (laughs) not that this had a so that was like just my example because that was in the late 80s yeah um so that was like what they called it the mc (laughs) at the time that the world forgot about but uh i noticed that there was an agents of shield movie starring david hasselhoff yep i'm aware of that one yeah i was not it's it's i mean they're all so as uh bad nick fury yeah. Um, <laughs> if you watch, I haven't seen them all, but I've seen clips from them. They are not. They. Uh, yeah, I've, I watched a couple clips. It was pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> Rad's a way to yeah. I'm, uh, I'm about to look it up <laughs> really quick. Yeah, hit me with it. Oh, I was just looking at David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess I was, yeah. So I guess I'm, the Marvel has tried that first, and then like Kevin Smith came out the '90s uh, with like his film version, um, and then like. But I mean, boom. also. <laughs> yeah, hit me with it. Isn't uh, from I had also heard that Whalen Enterprises exists within the same universe as Die Hard. Just, okay, you know. so I uh, that I will say that is different. That is more like Easter eggs. Um, because yeah, Wayland Enterprise pops up in uh, Blade Runner, Alien, probably Die Hard. I don't know where it pops up in Die Hard, but they're all Ridley Scott. Um, yeah. 
But I, I mean, I think like because Kevin Smith actually called his cinematic universe something. Right, <laughs> right. This is was, true. It, that, that I think that's what I'm getting more at. Uh, it's the S, S convert, S Q convert. I don't know. It's something weird. Um, no, I, I, I hear you though. I get what you're saying because I don't know if it's not. It's not like Ridley Scott was like one day <laughs> David right. Bowie and a xenomorph and Bruce Willis will fight on top of the Nakatomi Tower. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, Luke Scott's good though. No, yeah, no, he's great. I just I don't think that that was ever his intention. No, no, I mean maybe that. he wasn't trying to like build necessarily like a universe. Not to mention like you know the events of Alien and stuff took place like years, years, years in the future. So also, I just said really Scott directed Die Hard. He did not, so don't listen to me there. Right, I didn't think. Okay. That's why, uh, yeah, I said that out loud, and I was like, "That's wrong." I don't know why I said that there. <laughs> um, but like that, I guess that's kind of like what makes it interesting, right? Because like, if the events of Alien happen so far in the future, it's like, you know, sure, right. fifty years ago or whatever, fucking uh, John McClane was out there kicking ass. But again, this is like what you were saying about Parasite. It's like, uh. Die Hard is rooted in reality. Right. So. <laughs> Somehow. <sure>. It is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, in, in a reality where you can kill a helicopter with a car as a normal and police Somehow car. get, like, shot, like, five times <laughs> in one night and still be okay. <laughs> I love Die <Yeah>. Hard. <laughs> it's great. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, you get you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um talking about Die Hard, I, this isn't a good segue. I don't even know what I was about to talk about. <laughs> We're uh, trying. We are yeah. trying. <laughs> God, there was something I wanted to talk about. Um, I guess, uh, let's see. Oh, yes, kind of, okay. Let me see. I think I can make a segue. Talking about Die Hard, a uh, series that won't, isn't going to die anytime soon, or maybe it will, <laughs> um, which I don't think it should die. God, that segue sucked. Um... <laughs> Actually, before we get into that, let's answer Grumble Now's question. Sorry, brain is everywhere tonight. Um, uh, Grumble Now says, "Speaking of celebrities, what do you think of celebrities losing their weird limelight because of the pandemic?" I think celebrities have gone crazed due to the pandemic. Most, more specifically, I want to talk about um, the Imagine video they did in the beginning of the pandemic. Do you remember that? Uh, where they sung the song Imagine. Yeah, like, all in their, like, super big mansions. Uh-huh. They were, like, everyone get together and be happy and stuff. Yeah. Like, people were, like, still had to work. Right. <laughs> they were all, like, in their mansions, like, crying. <laughs> and it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, go cry on your jet skis. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the pandemic has affected Hollywood in a weird way. I mean... We're seeing that, like, a lot of the things have remained the same. Um, I have this theory that because of the pandemic and a lot of studios losing money over this last year, that an unfortunate side effect of this is we're going to be getting a lot of safer movies coming on the next couple years. And what I mean by that is, like, studios aren't going to want to take a risk on lesser-known celebrities or lesser-known filmmakers or lesser-known ideas. Um... But trying to tie that to the weird limelight because of it, um, 
I I don't know. I think the celebrities who are already solidified before the pandemic are going to be fine. Um, the celebrities who became like famous during the pandemic, like Joe Exotic, I guess he's a celebrity, and like other like very strangely like celebrities tied to the pandemic, they might not have staying t- power. Um, especially like because we're on Twitch, there's a lot of people who became very 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 famous over this last year here on Twitch because mm-hmm. no one was able to go out. I, it will be interesting to see if people, if they will be able to retain um, their notoriety, um, their famousness after the pandemic is over. But I, I, I don't know. What do you think, Shane? Uh, I mean, <laughs> like you said, it, the pandemic affected Hollywood in a weird way. So everybody kind of threw audibles. Not right. not just Hollywood, but like the world yeah. through audibles. So like when these Hollywood stars couldn't make movies or shows, they made TikToks and went live on Instagram. Yeah. And like supplemented their income in that way. So it's like some people will have like really done well maintaining this fame. Um mm-hmm. but I, I do think that some people are really gonna struggle. Some people just probably like hung it up and were whatever like i'll bounce back after and like i'm sure they will and there are still like studios and stuff that are producing and doing stuff you know there's new media coming out so there is opportunity to to do stuff but i think you're absolutely right like it's gonna be prepare for the next mission impossible everybody right which we are we're getting like mission impossible (laughs) seven And it's also, like, this very strange thing, too. Like, Mortal Kombat came out, like, last week, which we will talk about. We'll talk about that in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, after this last piece of news I want to talk about. But, like, it's also, like, doing the best out of any movie in the last year. And it's, like, a Mortal Kombat movie just because... Like, people are able to go to theaters again. HBO Max is doing... Which then, HBO Max is, like, showing it. Um... like on their platform, which is also another interesting thing to come out of the pandemic with Hollywood and filmmaking and theaters is like these online streaming platforms, um, showing in theater movies like on their platform, which I know a lot of people were like, it's going to kill theaters. I don't think it's going to kill theaters. I think, um, it's going to hurt theaters. If it remains damaging relationships with theaters. for Sure. I honestly, I, I like, if we're being completely honest, I don't think I would have wanted to spend money to see Mortal Kombat in theaters, but I was totally fine just hanging out in my pajamas watching it at like 1 a.m. Copy that. So like, it's this weird thing. Like I want to see theaters still around. I think theaters are important. Um, but at the same time, filmmaking has always been a medium that has always been changing. It, like literally... The foundation of filmmaking um, was created on a, a bet. Literally, filmmaking was created because of a bet um, and has always evolved since then. So uh, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say here is I don't like really agree with some filmmakers coming out and saying, like, this is going to be the end of like filmmaking. Like, there's some directors who are being very dramatic about this, about their filmmakers. Uh, There was some, like, really famous directors who are, like, I think it was, like, Christopher Nolan and stuff being, like, if you don't see Tenet in theaters, (laughs) yeah, it's like, all right, people have seen Tenet. 
I don't think the theater would change how nonsense it is. Um, and just, like, talking about, like, the death of theater. And it's, like, you have to remember, like, not, barely over a hundred years ago, people were putting their eye up to a little machine watching Nickelodeons of, like, a woman in, a like, a big dress, like, dancing. And that was filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> so it will change. It will evolve. Um, I think the pandemic and is. I think it will have an effect on Hollywood, how things are made. Um. Yeah. Good question. Uh, and to anyone yeah. out there listening in the future or in watching on YouTube later, um, if you have questions like this, join us on Tuesday nights, and uh, come ask your questions because this is a conversation we want to have. Um. Yeah. So uh, the last thing I want to talk about before we get into Mortal Kombat and uh, the Falcon <laughs> and the Winter Soldier is uh the trailer for the conjuring the devil made me do it dropped last week oh yeah or like a couple days ago maybe it wasn't last week maybe it was like five days ago or something yeah it looks uh looks pretty all right i mean i don't know i'm not like hugely following the universe i watched the first conjuring and i think i watched the second conjuring yeah. but i didn't watch any of the annabelle movies no i didn't either um, i don't know if they're like relevant to what's going on in this one though i think i forgot that there's like the conjuring universe <laughs> yeah forgot they were like connected <laughs> universes <laughs> yeah that would have been that damn it that would have been <laughs> the segue um yeah, uh, so I like the Conjuring movies. I think they, as someone who likes horror films, I think they're pretty decent. Um, James Wan, the first one, uh, was really good. I mean, the only thing about the Conjuring is I don't like the people who it's based off of. Um, yeah. Because, like, for those who don't know, the Warrens, it's like real people. Because the Warrens... Is, the Conjuring is based off the Warrens, which they why well, they put based on a real story, true story in the beginning. Um, right. Except the Warrens in real life just find people who are guilt-ridden because of tragedy and then take all their money by saying there's things that there isn't. Huh. Yeah, they're like the biggest con men. The Warren family, like the Warren couple, real life, um, they're like snake oil salesmen. Uh, if oh. you want to find out more about that, you can just... Google it, and you will find a bunch about it. But on that note, I do think the Conjuring films are very good horror movies, like good modern horror, like good, I want to say like blockbuster horror movies. Um, so the third one I'll probably see. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed the first one. Yeah. But now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I know I've seen the second one, but it definitely doesn't like stand out in my mind. Um, the second one was like, the one in London, and it had the really tall guy who came out of the... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. I mean, they're directed by James Wan. James Wan, uh, for those who remember one of our episodes a couple of weeks ago, um, is the director of Saw, so he is like... James Wan is an interesting director, because if you go on his IMDb, his uh, known for films are Saw... The Conjuring 2, Fast and Furious 7, and Aquaman. Interesting lineup there. <laughs> yeah. So. Huh. And he's yeah. remaking Van Helsing? Oh, I did not know that. Oh. The James Wan Van Helsing would actually be kind of rule, I think. That actually sounds kind of. I don't know how accurate this source is. <laughs> but. 
I mean, I'm ears from ground people. <laughs> if he combines like the Conjuring and like Furious Seven, I'm in. That'd be sweet. I really liked the <laughs> the Van Helsing movie with uh, oh, is it uh, Hugh Grant? Yeah, it's Hugh Grant. I think it's Hugh Grant, or it's some it's... no Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say Hugh it's Jackman Hugh adjacent. <laughs> I really liked that movie. I haven't watched it in years, though, and I kind of want to watch it now just to see if I'll hate it. Oh, my God. When I pull up Van Helsing, why does a trailer for Wolverine pop up? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, maybe that's my 10 out of 10 movie. Van, Van Helsing or Wolverine? Oh, Logan. Lo- okay, Logan is a 10 out of 10. I would agree with that. Logan is great. That Especially movie. the uh, black and white version. Although it's so, like... I'm kind of biased, like, because, you know, I was, I saw the very first X-Men movie in theaters and, like, mm-hmm, kind of grew up with that. I grew up as Hugh Jackman grew old <laughs> yeah, and grew into the Wolverine. Right, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think. So I had this, like, emotional attachment to the character, but it was, it was great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, Logan is absolutely one of the best superhero films um good tragic um anyway yeah so the conjuring the devil made me do it i'll probably watch it um i just i'm seeing that uh spielberg is doing west side story i could do not care (laughs) because it's spielberg or because it's no like i like spielberg like as i'm like not the biggest fan but like if he throws out a film every once in a while that's like really good like he's a good filmmaker um I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about when we talk about Hot Fuzz. He is a filmmaker who loves making films and who loves, like, film. Like, it's... Well, I'll talk about it in Hot Fuzz, what I mean by that. But, like, I guess West Side Story is something he's always wanted to make because he grew up with it. I just don't care for West Side Story, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. It's the guy with... It's when they snap, right, at each other? Yeah, it's like show tunes. Right, and I like I like musicals. Like, I like What's, Les Mis. Uh... What's that song that they sing in it's Anger like, Management? I'm um, so pretty. No. Yes, Wait, is it, it is. Is that a West I'm like ninety nine percent sure that's from West Side Story. All right. Uh, uh, I will say the the cinematography in the trailer though is really nice. It's really good. It looks okay. visually, it looks really good. I don't know. I like musicals. I just don't know if I want to see West Side Story. Which yeah. I, I could be wrong. Cats. I still need to see cats. I want to see cats though. I, I have not seen cats either. I want to be inebriated though. I don't blame you. <laughs> I it's just like <laughs> I don't know. I love Idris Elba, and I feel right. like I'm just gonna like be laughing at him. And he, I know he's like really trying because that's what he does. Right. <laughs> and that makes me feel kind of bad. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I get it. Yeah, no. Completely. I get it. So we'll say, I get it. Um, All right. So let us transfer over. What do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Mortal Kombat or uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? You've seen both of them, right? Uh, Indubitably. Okay. Uh, You know, I feel like at this point, I will have. Uh, less to say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier just only because like yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like I've said it all and like it all kind of buttoned up 
the way that uh, I literally predicted stuff on the last episode. <laughs> it's yeah. in writing, on film. Absolutely. Uh, hello, The Fifth Element. I'm um, saying Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies. It can't possibly be ruined. Oh, don't worry. When we change the genre, we will ruin it. Uh, how are you? I'm good. We are doing good. Uh, we are just recording the podcast. We're talking about the news. We're about to talk about uh, Mortal Kombat and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then... Um, we're going to ruin Hot Fuzz. And for anyone new here, uh, what we mean by ruin is there's a poll that you guys can vote on where we have to rewrite that movie, Hot Fuzz, the movie of the week, um, in a different genre. Prequel, sequel, remake. Uh, Hot Fuzz is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think Shane, same. So, oh, um, yeah. I'm oh, excited yeah. to talk about it. Uh, but w- I am doing good. Shane, how are you doing? Doing well. Banger of an yeah. evening. And I hot hope you're doing podcast. good, too. The fifth, the fifth Element, also. Good movie. Oh, fantastic. We were yeah. talking about Bruce Willis earlier. Yeah, we really were. Uh, great And movie. that was like Mia Jovovich's breakout role. She's fantastic. Yeah. Here's yeah. Shane. I'll talk to you so you don't have to be lonely. I'm not lonely. <laughs> I have our entire community at my the side. Entire the entire audience. The, ma- the millions watching the us millions. right now. All right, millions. Let's talk about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> um, what can we say about this movie? I can say it all in like two sentences. Yeah, hit me with it. This movie is basically the first three Mortal Kombat games spelled out so you can understand most of what the fuck is going on. And it sets up for more movies. Four more movies, to be precise. Um, and they do their little uh, twists on stuff. There's some weird twists in here. Not 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 like movie twists, like you know, I see dead people, but like they have changed things. I'm pretty sure from like the source material, like the little dragon <laughs> tattoos and... and them leveling up. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of hilarious. Um, there was like a lot of like weird, funny stuff. I feel like this movie. <laughs> was really good if you could just slap a goofy smile on your face yeah and just kind of enjoy it it's, this movie's really self-aware yeah and it's um, giving you what you want yeah this this movie is a movie that if you don't think more than five seconds about it after you are done you will have enjoyed it because once you start thinking about the plot the, uh-huh. the, the script writing the dialogue the anything uh-huh. making sense it falls apart but it I still think it's a fun watch, and if you can watch it, um, watch it. Um, I mean, just to see, Kano's the best character, right? Kano is, like, the fucking standout star of this movie. He had me cracking up. I do have to say, though, like, the, the idea of making a just random person to be the star of your Mortal Kombat movie, I'm not saying, like, random person, like, actor-wise. I'm saying, like making a character that is not in any of the games your lead and then making them as boring as they did talking about cole yeah i cole forgot his name the actually most fucking boring character i've ever seen in a movie like just, um it would have been better if we were following sonia blade it's like she was trying to like get the rest of the champions yeah i just i don't i hope that he dies in the next movie and i think he might <laughs> Like, I thought he was going to become Scorpion, which I would have been, like, cool, but, like, his, what was his power? Right. Is he got, like, than fucking keeping Cole he around. Got a golden shirt. Oh, um, good for you. You look like shit forever. Right. Um, <laughs> but beside that is a fun movie. I mean, Kung La- I'm a dirty Kung Lao main, so being able to see my 
stabby hat boy on yeah. sc- uh, screen, even though they killed him. But um, he was uncorking fucking bombs dude, in there, dude. He, he sliced that lady up. My favorite He's, fatality uh, in all of Mortal Kombat was in this movie. The one uh, where Kung Lao so like cool. makes a saw blade with his hand and just rips someone in half. That is and my favorite it fatality. It's like by him standing up and saying fatality. <laughs> Dude, I loved. I that was so cheesy, but I love that. Especially <laughs> That's like the thing. Like if I just smile through it, I'm like, this is good. Yeah, when Kano <laughs> rips Reptile's heart out and says Kano wins, like it just. <laughs> and then someone brought up the fact that Scorpion is like from like feudal Japan, and but when he gets back to Earth, he says "Get over here" in perfect English. He's been in hell for four thousand years. I don't think they were speaking to each other in hell. Maybe not. <laughs> Um, but I mean, the fight scenes between uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero were a hundred percent worth it. Um, yeah, that was cool. Uh, the whole like third act of the movie was uh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I like the fights. You know, the this, fights were good. This this makes me want to like go back to the whole like Kong versus Godzilla thing, right? Right. Like, just get your coal off the fucking screen i don't care like (laughs) and there was actually a scene that literally like it 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 visualizes how i feel about this character you have scorpion and sub-zero just squaring up going off like in the forefront of the screen it looks like the mortal kombat video game it's shot from the profile view so it literally looks like that and in the background of this profile view is cole just punching a piece of ice <laughs> just over right, and over right. I mean, his family's in it. I get it, but I'm just like, this is this is how I feel about this character. He's just gonna stand and punch a stupid thing until uh, he disappears from this from the, this series of movies. Right. Yeah. Um, He's the humans to my Kong and Godzilla. Exactly. Except like <laughs> like he just he was uninteresting. Um. I do have to say, it seems like whoever wrote or directed this, like, actually played Mortal Kombat, which was kind of nice. Like, the whole... Yeah. My, I think my favorite joke of the entire movie is um, when Kung Lao and uh, Kano are training, and Kung Lao keeps sweeping the leg. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just your normal Mortal Kombat spam. And Kano says, is that the only fucking move you know? Which I, like, actually laughed out loud. So uh, but, yeah, I mean, Mortal If you played the games and you... It's... It's no, but I okay. It's no better than the '94 Mortal Kombat. <laughs> what you don't think it's better? I think I, it's so uh, much better. I Let think, me okay. just remind you that the 1994 Mortal Kombat was rated PG-13, and the follow-up was infinitely worse. It was just <laughs> it was more cheesy and like it was a bad good. I think like it is a bad movie and more enjoyable. I, I I don't know. I think they're I think they're level because I think the whole main character for this new one is just so boring. I think I think that if the gang got together, yeah, and watched either of these movies, like the the first Mortal Kombat or this Mortal Kombat, we would have equal amounts of fun. That's what yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's like I feel that if we watch Mortal fun. Kombat Annihilation. We would probably break the DVD player. No, I would. We would actually that fight each other. So bad. Yeah, we would just have real life Mortal Kombat in the exactly. living room. Also, my favorite take on this movie is like, how are you going to have Mortal Kombat and not have a tournament? 
just i know they're setting it up yeah so like yeah (laughs) i I see what they're doing i mean the sub-zero character guy signed on for like four more movies yeah yeah so it's probably gonna be like next movie tournament and then like basically a three-part like war (laughs) and then we're probably gonna get a sub-zero like solo film yeah that wouldn't be surprising at all if it was a two-part war and then a sub-zero film yeah, originally uh, for the movie of next week, I was going to um, say we should watch. God, what is his name? Please not Mortal Kombat Annihilation. No, it was going to be the Raid Redemption. Oh, okay, cool. But it's literally not streaming anywhere. Oh, so we're not I will say one of my favorite parts in Mortal Kombat was when Kung Lao and Liu Kang went back to back, prepared to fight against Shao Kahn and his armies. Yeah. Um. Th- there's a soft spot for me with uh, the Shaolin. They're, uh, you know, I just like nostalgically speaking, I played a lot of Mortal Kombat, but like in 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 my mind, I distinctly remember the Shaolin monks game, Mortal Kombat Shaolin monks. Yeah, and you got to play as Kung Lao and Liu Kang, and it was like kind of about them and they they do have a really cool story you know and it was just sweet to like see them on screen that way since kung lao i don't think has been on the screen i don't think he was i don't either think so i don't think other no movies. no i think this is first time which kung lao rules he's the best he's, he's the best. sweet and uh he's such a huge part of like lu kang's story even in the mm-hmm. video games like they go to the temples together and they do a lot of stuff together it's they're just it was sweet to see them on screen that way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, if you like it, you like it. If you, if, I will say, if you don't like the games, I wouldn't recommend you watch it because I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's an action-packed, gory mess. Like, yeah, the gore was nice. Yeah, it's a weird sentence. But I mean, nice. there was some parts when it was like they dumbed, they dumbed it down a bit for some of the other parts probably, you know, like some of the Dune fights were a little not as gory, but then you had some other ones that were like a little more wild. Yeah. Uh, Gordo looked pretty cool. Um, Goro, Gordo, Gordo. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Next movie. There's twin brother Gordo. It's a Goro God. Um, all right. Well, that's world combat. I have literally nothing else to say about it other than, um, that was a uh, terrible way to kill Goro though. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's Mortal Kombat. They're all going to come back. That's like every game. Like, they come back. Everyone comes back. Yeah. Well, Kano for sure is. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kung Lao is probably going to. Even though the best line in the entire Mortal Kombat, <laughs> when uh, K- Cabal says, he's sucking his soul, is <laughs> one of the worst lines I've ever heard uttered in any movie of all time, which is just so funny. Um. Yeah, Kano's definitely going to come back. I mean, oh, yeah. I guess the obvious. last thing I have to say is, like, it the whole, like, lore world building of, like, people, like, getting their powers. Their arcana. Arcana is so <laughs> weird. Like, literally, Jax's arcana was, like, the robot <laughs> arms he had were just got bigger. Like, what if he didn't have those robot arms? Like, did right. I? Right. <laughs> Kano's was just he can shoot a laser out of one of his eyes. <laughs> like, so my theory is that you know he got stabbed in the eye. So next time he's just gonna come back with like a metal face. 
Right, like the actual Kano. Yeah, but like it kind of looked like it might have already been there. Tell me this guy like lived his whole life just to learn about Arcana, just to learn he's got a fucking metal skull. Right. Yeah, or a know. laser was... eye. Where the fuck do laser beams come from? Because it's not like an organic fucking laser beam. And then Sonia Blade can just like shoot lasers out of her hands now. Oh which gosh, I mean, yeah. we did get that cool shot, which was another like uh, fatality that I do like, where you like shoot a hole through your body. Yeah. Although, uh, I, if there was there. one complaint I could make, it's that uh, there are some pretty cool characters. Like the, the, I guess that's what we're saying. Like They'll probably come back, but like if you go under the assumption that they don't come back, we have lost some pretty awesome characters immediately in this like possibly four to five part movie series. Right. You know, Kano, I'm pretty sure, sh- I'm like 99.99% no sure he's yeah. coming back. There's Goro, no though, was pretty fucked. Back. His insides were on his outsides. Yeah. Um, and he got left in Earthrealm. Uh, you know, that other chick is probably pretty fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she was, there. those are both like pretty relevant characters. It was, uh, I can't remember her name. Morgana? Morgan? The one with the uh, teeth. Yeah. I don't know her name. You know, the one with the teeth. Yeah, the one who always had blood all over her mouth for some reason. She even though she face yeah. somewhere. Uh, but anyway, no, like yeah. those are like key players in you know, the higher exactly. power of Mortal Kombat, I guess. Yeah. Uh Katana no, Katana is not did not appear in Mortal Kombat. Her fans were there though. Grumble. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Her blue fans were there. Blue fans. Um I mean it's they're gonna do a mortal like Mortal Kombat made a lot of money because there's no other movies out right now, so they're right. gonna be make more, I think. Wonder Woman was never mind. Forget yeah, carry on. That, that was also the yeah, pandemic movie is not great. There hasn't been anything that's blown me away. I don't care that I can remember. Um, all right, so yes, uh, Melania is a uh, yeah. the bitey one. The bitey one was in there. Yes, the bitey bitey lady was in the movie. She sure was. Um, all right, so let's uh. Keep going to a another slugfest of a show slash movie slash episode. Um, we got the finale of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or as the end screen tells us, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And Shane, I think you said it earlier in this episode. I think we've said everything we have to say. Um, I it was solid. Yeah, I I think this episode kind of speaks for itself. Uh, especially considering all the things that we've said. And in terms of, like, predictions, I don't know. I guess we were, like, not actively predicting anything. No. We were just kind of saying where it was headed. And, like, you know, it was an action buddy movie, and it all boiled up after the fifth episode. So in the sixth yeah. episode, as we said last week, it boiled over. Yeah. And it, and it was awesome. And then it resolved, and it was heartwarming. And that was yeah. it. Um, I mean, I think I have the same complaints as I did it with one. I I still have more complaints about WandaVision. Um, I think this was better than WandaVision. I mean, they, it felt rushed. Uh, the, the dialogue did have some weird pacing. It had weird pacing. Very, very noticeable. Weird pacing. Uh, Mm -hmm. the, a lot of the dialogue was very hammy. Um, Mm -hmm. very, very cheesy. I, I mean, I, I like, I, I, was very skeptical on how Disney was going to handle everything um, 
with the politics they were doing. I think they, sure. what they were going for, they hit it. Um, I really think they nailed it. I, I liked Sam's speech. It it was like a good parallel to, you know, yeah. the last Captain America. Right. It's just, you know, no, I think, I, I think yeah. Sam owned the mantle. I think it, I think it's good for the character. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think uh, Bucky is my favorite. His actor dude did a great job, Grumble says. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Bucky in this film not okay i shouldn't say i'm not the biggest fan i think he was good i just um i really liked john walker's character arc mm-hmm. the best out of it all and i ended up really like Sa- liking sam's uh arc yeah. everyone's arc so, bucky's was just the least interesting to me even i though really I think it was still liked good. i really really like bucky yeah and that's kind of the problem i really like bucky but i feel like he was incredibly underutilized the show is called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, it felt like it could have been called Falcon with the Winter Soldier. <laughs> felt you know, Falcon like you featuring the Winter yeah, Soldier. Yeah, like he was more of a sidekick than like another part of the show. I feel like yeah. when they were when they were doing Bucky things, it was like less, way less relevant or important than like when other stuff was going on. Yeah. So he felt a little sidekicky at a lot of points and that just kind of sucks for me personally because like i really do like sebastian stan and i really do like the current bucky character arc and all the shit he's gone through and like where he is now i think it's pretty sweet um i think so um, yeah he could have used a little more love is all i think the main complaint i've seen which is something i do i i can't like disagree with is that there was too many like plot lines going on too many stories um you say you do disagree with it, or you can't disagree with it? I, I can't disagree. I agree with that. I agree that, like, if you have six episodes and you have so many... Like, I, I talked about how I liked all the storylines, but, like, um, with the case of Bucky, it's really hard to have a satisfying story when you have to finish up the six that you've created. Right. Um, I think, again, like, I said this in WandaVision, I, I don't know why Disney is doing the shorter series like i know why they are it's a money thing but like if this would have been eight episodes i think it would have had more set you it would have been more like it was a satisfying ending but it would have been more satisfying if we had a little bit Mm -hmm. more fleshed out especially john walker's character like i really liked his i like u.s agent yeah like i don't like what he does but i think he had the most compelling storyline um it was tragic It, it was relatable it wasn't your traditional like twirling your mustache bad guy like and going forward like he's being manipulated like i still think like he's being manipulated as the u.s agent by lady hydra 100 so i'm excited to see where that goes but um his like immediate switch in this last episode being like I killed a guy. I hate everything. I want to do everything. And then like this, this episode being like, I know I really want to be a good guy. Like I wish that was longer. I wish there would have been more struggles before that immediately switch. Um, but right. like I said, when you have so many, when you're trying to juggle so many balls, you're going to drop a couple sure. or, or fumble. Um, but other than that, like I said, solid. I think it was yeah. better than WandaVision because it knew what it was doing. It finished all the way through. Um, for those who are new to the podcast or listening, um, my main problem with WandaVision was they tried to do something really unique and interesting, but in the end, they just went back to their traditional MCU roots and threw laser beams on the trailer. Start blowing shit up. Yeah. Um, I think if WandaVision stayed unique and experimental throughout the entire thing, I would have enjoyed it much mm-hmm. more. Um, 
and then we talked about the Falcon the Winter Soldier knows what it's doing, so it's going to do it well, and it did. Yep. So I don't disagree with what you said about it having some more stuff. Yeah. It, like it would have been nice to have seen some more development because, right. as I said before, this is supposed to be bridging the gap. It's supposed to, in theory, make me really fall in love with these characters or at least invest myself in them some in some way so that when the next phase comes forth, you know, I can really care about what's going on with these characters. And right now it's like, I really care about what's going on with John Walker. I care a lot about what's going on with Sam since he's the new Captain America. And then like, I got Bucky kind of playing second fiddle where I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll be interested. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in terms of the story, me personally, I'm very excited for everything, but it's like the way they set it up. It's kind of like, you better pay attention to like <laughs> John Walker and Sam and Zemo. Right. And then, like, in, in terms of like the rest of these really badass characters, they're they feel like they kind of took second fiddle. Right. And I guess okay. I just got one more complaint. I guess um, maybe it's just because I didn't understand. I truly did not understand the flag smashers. Like, I like I understood their motives as a whole, but I just don't understand what they were doing. The this last episode. Um, they were trying to stop a boat. Yeah, I just didn't. Like it felt like they were just hell marrying everything. Yeah, though. they absolutely were. That's exactly <laughs> what they did, and it was like, I don't know, if Carly had just taken a breath and like chilled the fuck out yeah. for like a, a little bit, they might have had some more success. And she also, there was part of me at every point up until this episode that like the the quote unquote antagonist of this show was someone I could empathize with. Yeah. And then she was like, we could just kill the hostages. And I was right. like, ah! yeah. that's another thing. Uh, like flex masters was very relatable. And then, yeah, yeah, right. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I, we both agree on this. Like Disney, you have the money, spread it out a little bit. Take your time. Two more episodes. And like, I think they would have been on the money. Yeah. Two or even one. You could have even had and one. I um, also think maybe that Sam at a certain point was maybe empathizing with her a little too much. Which made it a little hard for me to be like, like yeah, there were, oh, yeah, what's happening here? And I get it, like I understand why, you know, I can see what's yeah. happening, but it's like this lady's gonna kill fucking hostages, man. Like, right? She said it. I know you didn't hear her say it and stuff, but like, she's very dangerous. <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I have one final thing that I want to say on this, and it's yeah. fucking crucially important because we're gonna get it on film again. Number one, I predicted correctly that uh, Sharon Carter would be yeah. a power broker. You did. Number two, I'm making another prediction. This Sharon Carter is a scroll. Oh, you think so? I, I think so. I, 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 can't, I, say, I don't think you're wrong. I think that's definitely a possibility. I really hope it's not a scroll. I really like I that Sharon. I really like, I really like that Sharon Carter is being like realistic like she was thrown out to the wolves and then she becomes oh, yeah. a power broker i like that storyline but with secret invasion coming up um we were actually just find out there's going to be a captain america 4 coming out soon not soon but they're writing it so yeah. like a couple years shouldn't say soon um i could see definitely her being a scroll i really hope she's not I, I can agree with you completely for all the same reasons. I think they've built a really cool character here for someone that makes like a good 
she, well, I was going to say anti-hero, but she's definitely not an anti-hero. Uh, she melted that dude's face. Yeah, so I think I think she's, you know, suiting up to be like a pretty awesome bad guy with some solid motives. Yeah. So they could play that really well. But also, you know, with that in mind, it, it kind of would make sense if she was a scroll. I mean, like, why would she take a pardon and jeopardize her, you know, career and stuff? I mean, I get it. Yeah. She's pissed or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, last prediction I made was Ghost Rider was going to appear in WandaVision. And I'm still mad that it didn't happen, even though there was no basis for that. <laughs> I'm one for before. one right now. Clip it! Somebody clip it! Don't clip anything I ever say because I'll be wrong because <laughs> I just throw out things I want to happen. <laughs> I try to Which, use just a tiny bit of logic, just a just, wee God, bit. give me Ghost Rider. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, alright, so I think, yeah, solid. Um, Loki is coming out in, like, a month. Oh, um, yeah, I'm really hyped. Should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm uh, actually really excited for yeah. Loki. I'm a big Tom Hiddleston fan, and I really like the I like characters. Owen Wilson. So. Owen Wilson, wow, he's a classically uh, great person in my life. Yeah. Um, should be good. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, the thing is, though, like, I kind of want to come at this with a similar attack that I did WandaVision, because yeah, optimistically, as we said, what's that? Optimistically cautious. Yes. Um, mm. because like, like we said before, we kind of knew what was gonna, what to be expected with this Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and with WandaVision, it was like, you know, we don't know what's going on, and then as it came out, it felt good, and then it just got worse. So, like, I don't know. I'm just cautiously optimistic is, like, a perfect yeah. phrasing for what I'm feeling right now. My chin's yeah. up, but so are my dukes. Absolutely. All right, so... I don't think there's any crossover between anyone and Loki and Hot Fuzz, but it is that time of the night. Um... The time of the podcast where we are going to talk about the movie of the week, which is Hot Fuzz, Edgar Wright's. Actually. Yeah. I got, I got a good segue. Hit me with it. And the crossover from the MCU to Hot Fuzz, uh, Everett Ross was, uh, you know, the CIA agent from Black oh. Panther and stuff. Stars You're... as one of the police sergeants in the opening scene of you mean Hot Martin, Fuzz. Martin Friedman. Martin Friedman, but his name is Everett Ross in... Oh, MCU. Yeah. That is true. That is... He plays police sergeant someone. Uh, Matt Sergeant. Yeah. He doesn't have a name. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Sergeant. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but yes, we are talking about Hot Fuzz. Um, welcome to my TED Talk uh, about Hot Fuzz being <laughs> Edgar Wright's great best movie. Um, but anyway, Take we over. are... T- God, okay. So, we watched Hot Fuzz. I mean, I watched all of Hot Fuzz. Shane watched 90... No, 50, 50% of it. it was only... It's uh, worth noting, I've seen this movie a thousand times. Most yes. recently, like, within a month. Hot Fuzz. I would argue, and I will argue, is Edgar Wright's greatest movie. That is not saying I think his other movies are bad. I just think Hot Fuzz is the best he has created. Um... On that point, I just, there's so much I could talk about this movie, like, doing good, doing right. This is a film that is, this is a film that shows that the director is proficient at filmmaking. Every basic core concept of filmmaking is taken by Edgar Wright, 
done to perfection, and then thrown through his own wacky device to make it hot fuzz. Um, it's hard to... I, I'm trying to, like, think of where I want to start. So, let's start at the beginning. So, I guess let's let's go through the plot line of Hot Fuzz. First okay. of all, why this movie is amazing, I, I checked last night when I watched it. Uh, six minutes and 32 seconds. You know everything you need to know about Nicholas Angel through exposition and montage. You do not need to know any more about Nicholas Angel, the main character, after those six minutes. <laughs> Literally, we learn that he is a one of the best police officers in London. He is dedicated to his work, dedicated to his work so much that his um, partner is leaving him. We find out that he wants to keep doing police work. But all the higher ups don't want him there anymore because of how much of like a pencil pusher he is and how by the book he is. We find out he has been stabbed and we we learn everything about him in six minutes and thirty eight seconds. He is the straight man of this movie, and when I say that, I'm not talking about sexuality. I am talking about the person who is going to be surrounded by all the goofy characters, yet he is going to be playing it straight and narrow. The first six minutes of this movie are how you do exposition correctly. It is how you set up a movie correctly. It is how you use montage correctly to show, not tell. Even though it's a weird combination of showing and telling. Like, we have the narrator talking about everything that Nicholas Angel does, all the certifications and stuff. But at the same time, we see him standing at the train station with his plant, and we can see that he is miserable, which they don't say. Um, again, first six minutes. I timed it last time because I wanted to, the last viewing last night, because I wanted to see how efficiently this movie is. It's a two-hour movie, six minutes. We don't really need to know much more about our main character. That's pretty um, good. Solid he, ratio. Yeah, it really is. Uh, he gets into uh, the small town. Um, again, for those who haven't seen Hot Fuzz or any of Edgar Wright's films, every scene he has, everything he shows you has purpose. We see, at, after those six minutes, uh, he is now in the small town. I can't believe I'm forgetting the small town's name. It is something very generic. Um, but he passes by the model town in a big sign, which is where we end the film. <laughs> um, we also have one of my favorite bits in the film is when he is checking in at the hotel. Um, and again, laying out what this movie is going to be about. The receptionist is doing a crossword. Um, she says fascist and he's like, huh? They're like, there's a great misunderstanding between the words they're saying kind of like, call like fascist, um, Hag. Hag. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's true Edgar Wright humor. Um, it's that British humor. Um, yeah, it's very dry. It's One very word dry. responses oftentimes. Yeah. Um, he then goes to get a drink. He doesn't drink. He gets cranberry. Um, just cranberry juice, I guess. Just cranberry juice. Sometimes just cranberry. he gets a lemon in it, though. Yeah. Um, and then he arrests the entire tavern, pretty much. Well, he kicks <laughs> the entire tavern out. 
Um, I mean, we get some of the favorite. My favorite part of this scene is when he goes up to the kid with braces. He's just like, age. He's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what year? Every year. Yeah, like it, this movie is also like one <laughs> of the most quotable time. movies. Um, and there's then for, so many little zingers that just get yeah. me every single time. Like they, I again, I watched like an hour of it yesterday, and it yeah. got me every time. And they all have lead ups. They all have lead ups. <laughs> like everything is a callback. Uh, they don't tell me nothing. Like we, <laughs> he says that like three times throughout the movie, and every time it's just um, funnier. Um, the when the Andy is, it's do the you, you do know there are more guns in the country than in the city, and then a fucking everyone and their mums is packing around here, and then Nicholas Angel says like who, and he says farmers, and then Nicholas and Angel says fathers mum farmers mums, which is actually it's a joke that like. The ending of this movie, everyone is packing. Uh-huh. Um, all the farmers, all their moms. Yeah. Um, you also... Uh, I love the antagonist in this film. Yeah, um, Skinner. Man. Yeah, like, I should say, the primary antagonist, Skinner. He's just so fantastic. Like, it's talking about, like, the first six minutes of exposition that tell you everything you need to know... Every time this guy talks, he tells you exactly what's going to happen, and then he just leaves the screen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's that Edgar Wright foreshadowing. Like what I said about his filmmaking. He knows how to make a film. He has perfected it, and then he throws all these, like, the frosting on top that makes it an Edgar Wright film. Like, he knows how to use montage. He knows how to use the basic storytelling of foreshadowing. The basic storytelling um, tool of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. He knows what he is doing, and he has perfected it. And this is going to be the callback to earlier where I was talking about Steven Spielberg loving films. Edgar Wright, I have read a bunch of his interviews. I've listened to a bunch of his interviews. He is a very influential director to me um, just because of his films are just so clever and so well done, so well crafted. It really is someone I look up to because his films are so great. He... um. He, he just knows what he's doing, and a big part of that is he, in all his interviews, he loves films. And Hot Fuzz, I would argue, is the greatest homage to action films that has been created. Because deep down, Hot Fuzz is a homage to buddy cops, to action films, to Die Hard, to Bad Boys 2, to Point Break. Yeah. They're all referenced in it because those are the films Edgar Wright loves. So he yeah. took what makes those movies so good, brought them all over, perfected them, made this movie, and then threw on all his humor to it. And it's that is hot fuzz. Um, yeah, he took something like commemorative and disguised it as a comedy. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's beautiful, honestly. Like now, that, when you spell it out that way, like con- like knowing the context of, of like this guy and his like passion for what he does, like as you can see it all throughout the film, like between yeah. the the foreshadowing, like they even talk about how they watch they're gonna watch these too. movies and they watch these movies and then they do Game the thing break. from the movies. Exactly. You know, he, he does shoot his gun in the air and go all. <laughs> exactly Um, and it's Um, great and you can see that so you can see like the passion and the love and then he does have it's like it's disguised as a comedy but it's not even really a disguise it's just part of it is what what it is is. yeah yeah Um, 
And to keep going off of the filmmakers who love filmmaking is uh, Steven Spielberg is the same. He all his interviews he always talks about. Um, as a kid, he and his family would get a projector and they'd watch it on the side of the house. Um, that is why he always makes movies like Super Eight, Super Eight, or like Indiana Jones or ET. Sure. Those are like all homages to the epics of early Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. that's why his films feel very Hollywood. Like Steven Spielberg is the Hollywood director because he knows what, well, like the golden age of Hollywood was. He took it and just modernized it. Um, right. there's one other director who is exactly like this and it's Quentin Tarantino. He used to run a, he, for those who don't know, Tarantino used to work at, and I think run a blockbuster or a video rental, generic video rental, and he would just watch movies. That is, first of all, why Tarantino has the social awareness of a rock. <laughs> <laughs> because he only watches movies, and he has is really weird to talk to, and ha- his interviews are always so strange. It's because he has enveloped himself in filmmaking and films, and you can see that in all of Tarantino's films. Uh, Jackie Brown is um, a reference to all the movies that can be for, like detective films, uh, mystery mm-hmm. films. Um, a lot of he plays a lot of homages to black filmmakers in that film. Um, the Hateful Eight is a western. Yep, straight up. Um, Pulp Fiction, again, like he loved like Columbo and all those detective films. Yeah, that's his Red version Board of that. Is an homage Ex- to like yep. any heist movie. Exactly. Exactly. Nineteen ninety-five. Exactly. So there's a thing like I, I'm not going to sit here and say like filmmaker like. There are filmmakers who don't love film. Um, I mean, Michael Bay comes to my mind, but I don't know. I've never listened to any of his <laughs> interviews. But there is something about filmmakers who truly do love the medium, truly do love films, that usually make the better films. It's uh, there's this. I have this theory that there's two things that can really, as an artist, that you can do to make better work, to really be better when you're being creative to make just to just be a better artist and um those are one is experience life um take what you know about your life what you witness personally your experiences and put them into film because if you try to create other people's experiences i'm not saying you can't they're always going to be a little bit more disingenuous than something that you've you've taken from your own life or pulled from things you've seen or experienced um, the second is, is watch films. Like, that is a thing, like, writers are told, too. You have to read to be a writer. You have to watch films to be a good filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think Hot Fuzz, excuse me, is a representation of that. Um, I'm not going to go through the rest of the movie, because the rest of the movie would just be me quoting all the jokes. But anyway... <laughs> uh, they foil the plot. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So it's a fish out of water film too. Nicholas Angel is getting used to the town. Um, there's a secret organization. Talk about conspiracies from earlier. There's a secret organization. Um, I think the best punchline too is like uh, Nicholas Angel does all his place work, tries to like find all the motives, and then their motives is like they just want their town to look pretty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so the good. The greater good, yarp. Like, it's so quotable. <laughs> and then the last 30 minutes of Hot Fuzz is literally an action-packed thrill ride. A phenomenal. Uh, it is. It, it, it's so well done. It's so well choreographed. Like, it, it looks great. Like, sometimes you see stuff like this, and, like, 
it can be like a break of the immersion because of like silly things. Perhaps they spent too much on set pieces, so their you know their CGI looks a little weird or whatever. Yeah. It is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is just like a great, a greatly choreographed last like thirty minutes of the movie. It really is. And the last thing I do want to talk about, like in the story wise, is I think is. Something I've actually wrote, written papers about in college, and I think is something so simple, so clever um, about this movie, about the climax of this film, is Nicholas Angel is fighting for, over the t- for, metaphorically for the town, over the town, over literally. the model town. Literally, he is literally and metaphorically the literally and metaphorically the final scene, the final action piece, the climax of the film is the protagonist and antagonist fighting on top of a smaller version of the town that they have been fighting in for the entire movie. It is so simple. It is so clever. It is so well done. Like, it is just, every time I see that, it is so, it's just brilliant. It's so simple, but so brilliant that, like, it is, even in that fight scene, like, visually, that comedy is coming through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Amazing. It was a very well done set piece. And they set it up right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing they show you when you get into this village is the small town. Yeah. And yeah, you that, that's home. exactly model where home. the story concludes. They're fighting over the town, over the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. Um, the only other thing, the last thing I want to say really about the film um, is... That uh, Edgar Wright got this idea while working at a superstore in his small town. So, <sighs> kind of goes back to my idea, like taking from your experiences. Mm-hmm. He combined the two. He took from his experiences. He dreamed of this film when he was working in a supermarket as a kid in the small town, and he took his love for action films and created Hot Fuzz, which is, I mean, it's a ten out of ten for me. I, I don't see. You can really on... feel it. You can. It is a. It is a love letter to action films he didn't do this because he felt like he had to do this for like like he wasn't like oh i have to put out a movie like this was a movie he needed to put out like it was like a passion project exactly it's like going thinking about for you know ages uh, yeah who knows how long exactly it's like going back all the way to eight and a half that movie that lost episode yeah um which was like you don't have to make movies well Edgar Wright had like I he made this film because poetry yeah um so yeah anything else to say about Hot Fuzz like just watch it eight and a half is our only missing episode but it's like the most one we reference the most because of how brilliant it is I just think it's funny because like the whole premise of it is like you don't have to do a thing and then right. we, we just didn't do a thing now we just right. didn't do that it just doesn't exist we did it like I, yeah it like exists kind of but like other than that it's like not there <laughs> it's not a thing um, um that is yeah anyway is... i did just want to say like this this is like an example of how people should attack the movie the filmmaking process yeah. like from your heart from something that you really care for like the the poetry of this story that you've just told me about him like being a young man thinking about this idea and then it's like this wasn't his first movie no right? uh Shaun of the dead well he 
He did Spaced. That was the movie I was trying to remember when we were talking about Scott Pilgrim. Not the movie, the TV series um, that we he um, did in the late 90s, early 2000s with Simon Pegg. But then Shaun of the Dead was his first big movie. It's the yeah. first Cornetto, Cornetto uh, trilogy, Cornetto trilogy. Um, that's like the movie that got him international fame, like Space was right. big in uh, England. Um, Shaun of the Dead was his first which is that's also an homage to zombie films. Right. I just think like it must have just been such a gratifying thing for him to, you know, work his way up through the industry and get a nice funding under him and be able to like pitch this and have it work out and then you know, that's just awesome. Congratulations yeah. Edgar Wright mm-hmm. on being able to create and then following through and creating. Right. And then so cool. His next film is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So Hot Fuzz got him Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. That's, That's awesome. Like, and I will say Hot Fuzz, If <laughs> I will say this. If last episode we talked about how people might not like Scott Pilgrim because of the editing. Uh, if you didn't like Scott Pilgrim because of the editing, Hot Fuzz is like a thousand times more chaotic. Yeah, like in the editing. It is, <laughs> it is like, yeah, you're not probably not going to like it. Um, which I totally understand. It is a very... Like, even sometimes I'm like, okay, this is, like, crazily edited. Like, the whips yeah. and the zooms. Like yeah, it's Matt, Like, he loves his whips and his zooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would get a lot of them. Um, all right. So, for anyone new here, this is the last part of the episode where we ruin the movie. Uh, we ruin the movie by... Letting you ruin the movie. By letting you guys ruin the movie. Uh, over in our Discord, which you can join below, either in my channel or in Shane's channel, um, every... Every week we post two polls for the next episode. Um, those polls tell us if we have to remake, prequel, or sequel. We have to write it as a remake, prequel, or sequel. In the genre of your choices, which is also another poll. So let me pull those polls up. See what we are doing. If we have to remake it. Great. As a blockbuster noir... All right. Oh, like a complete Which, remake? Complete remake. New cast and everything? Yep. As a oh. remake, as a blockbuster noir. So for those who don't know what those mean, blockbuster is like Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, or like, <laughs> it's like, or it, it's like <sighs> Mission Impossibles or Fast and Furiouses. Like, those are blockbuster movies. Those are movies that will come out. They'll make a lot of money despite if they are really good or bad. That's kind of how I define blockbusters. Like, they have mm-hmm. a lot of funding from their studio because they will be good. Well, they won't be good, but they'll make money. Yeah. Uh, they are on the big screen. They are your ho- they are your summer releases. Um, mm-hmm. And then noir is one of the oldest forms of filmmaking, which is um, traditionally black and white. Uh, noir is like a weird genre because it's mostly referred to how it's uh, lighted, how the lighting is done in the film, which is usually done by found lighting. So you're not going to have like the big lights on. It's going to be dark. You're going to have lots of whites and blacks in regards to coloration. And it's always like a detective film. It's a detective, um, the Maltese Falcon, uh, Double Entendre, Casablanca. Uh, yeah, Sin City. Are all noirs. So, actually, a blockbuster noir of Hot Fuzz. Um, first of all, let's figure out who's directing this. I don't think it's going to be as good as Edgar Wright directed it. But like, who? What? What action director 
do we think should be directing this remake of Hot Fuzz? Somehow, for some reason, in 2021, some big studios are finally realizing how good Hot Fuzz it is. Uh, how, fun it, how good Hot Fuzz is. Instead of giving Edgar Wright a sequel, money for a sequel, they're like, we're going to remake this for an American audience. It's, uh, it's got to be the Russo brothers. The Russo brothers, okay. Like, I think... <laughs> Just like Avengers level... Um, you know, extremity. Like, okay, so yes. So it we'll say it's like a Marvel style blockbuster. Um, so that means we have to have some big names. Who is playing Nicholas Angel? My <laughs> vote is Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy okay. <laughs> Tom Hardy, yes. Tom Hardy is now Nicholas Angel, yes. The real question is who is um Nick Frost's character. Who is going to be... Melissa McCarthy. Wait, no. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> did I just nail it? Yeah, you did. You really did just nail it because that, it would, that is the 2021 blockbuster <laughs> equivalent of Nick Frost. <laughs> so we have Tom Hardy as Nicholas Angel. We have Melissa McCarthy. Should Tom Hardy actually just be Jason Bateman? <laughs> Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Jason Bateman is Nicholas Angel. Melissa McCartney is now, um, it's now Nick Frost's character. They're just always together. Danny, which I guess Danny could be a female name too. Um, I think same same setup, but like obviously this isn't Edgar Wright directing it. So instead of six minutes, it takes to set up who Nicholas Angel is. It takes like forty five minutes. <laughs> And it really focuses really hard on his failing relationship in London. Like, way too long. Like, we get too much. Like, Edgar Wright does it so good where it's, like, a really funny joke. And, like, we find out he's dedicated to his work. But, like, we really find out he's dedicated to his work in the longest way. <laughs> and it takes, like, 30 minutes to set up the film. Um, He's probably, like, this is a blockbuster by Russo's. He's probably, like... Kind of has the Tony Stark thing going on. He's probably like an alcoholic too now <laughs> for some reason. Um, when he gets to the small town, the small town is probably like a mini city. <laughs> it's just Detroit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we have... Um, oh God, the person... Melissa, Melissa McCartney as Danny is now like even more aloof for some reason. And like even... Like she... Like I guarantee the first scene she's in, she sits on a chair and it breaks. Because I feel like that's just like a Melissa McCartney thing that happens in <laughs> all of her films. <laughs> I don't know why, but I keep thinking that like uh, David Koch... Koshner? Kushner? Kushner? You know who I'm talking about. I think he's, so. Uh, he's Packer from The Office. Oh my god, he he has to be one of the detectives. One of the Andes? That's exactly what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, one of the Andes, and then Will Ferrell is the other Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and they're even meaner for some reason in this hot version of Hot Fuzz. They're like even more cruel. I, I love the Andes in the original and Hot Fuzz look. Oh yeah, dude. And they're not they're as clever. Great. Um, I guess, the, okay, one of my favorite, um, detectives is, oh god, what is her name? Uh, it's the female detective. In this? In, in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, um, uh, Doris. Uh, <laughs> you're like the one who's always making the innuendos. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> like my favorite one of my fa- it could be my favorite joke actually in Hot Fuzz is when they're all in the superstore and they're in the superstore in the climax where everyone's fighting and she smacks the fucking um, assistant uh, the female assistant and she just turns around and says everyone likes laughing of girl on girl and just like it goes to everyone's face as they're just like crying laughing in like the most dramatic ways uh, who's replacing her I feel like who is who, um, uh, oh um oh god who played who's always with Melissa McCartney she was in Bridesmaid on uh, Saturday Night Live Tina Fey no um, <laughs> which I, she would be good but uh she was also my next new, guest would have been uh, Sandra Bullock Kristen Wiig I think oh Kristen Wiig yeah she was in Wonder Woman right that's the person I'm thinking of she's in Wonder Woman yeah yeah and I, she's I, in Justice League yeah. Yeah. And bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's. I think she's funny, but I think she would be a good re- replacement for Doris. Will Arnett. <laughs> yes. Will. Okay. Will Arnett. I think Will Arnett is the detective who. Um. The first shot we see. Which again, another clever thing by Edgar Wright is we have um the one detective who is very bad at his job. Is the first shot we see. He's sitting in front of a whiteboard, and you have like. A, a mind web going out of it of all of his characteristics like it's it's great uh he's definitely playing oh god actually i think will arnett has to be one of the andes uh. i think that's his role i think maybe um we have uh packard and then will arnett and then will ferrell <laughs> definitely has to be in there somewhere maybe he will, will Ar- oh will he Ferrell. could be the farmer that th- talks all crazy yes <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you oh my ever god! Seen the video on uh, "Funnier Die" of the landlord, where yes, his hair yes. is like really big. Will Harrell, Will Ferrell's hair is like really big. Yes, uh, yes. Oh my god, that's <laughs> hell yeah. Um, and then on that note, I think the detective, the old guy who no one understands, that's William Defoe. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does uh, that mean that Robert Pattinson's the bad guy? Yeah, he's Skinner, 100%. <laughs> um, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins is the priest. E- easy. Easy, easy. easy. Oh, who's, who's the scummy reporter? Oh, uh, Tim Messenger. I love Tim Messenger. Um, he kind of feels like a Jake Gyllenhaal character to me. Jake Gyllenhaal, that would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe because I was been thinking about Nightcrawler lately. Oh my gosh. I was thinking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we'll have to watch that. Actually, we're going to watch Nightcrawler for next week. We'll do Muppets later. We're going to watch Nightcrawler because I've been wanting to watch it. Okay. It's on Netflix. Um, Why do I... Uh, I just feel like you could just squeeze Fred Armisen in here anywhere. And it... He... Okay. Gosh, he just has that look. All right. <laughs> Will Arnett is, for some reason now, Melissa McCartney's dad. Fred Armisen is... The bad guy, the gob who is just bad at his job, who has a Spider-Man face paint at, the, <laughs> at it. And it's because this is a blockbuster noir. I still feel like we have the comedy in it, but it's like blockbuster comedy, so it's not as clever. Um, it's noir, too, so it's going to be like very, I feel like almost kind of like Sin City. It's not going to be as like great as a noir as like the older ones. It'll feel like British humor, probably, because it'll be real serious. But yeah. It'll be trying to be a little funny. <laughs> yeah. And then it just plays through. It's no, and it sets up a sequel at the end. 
for some reason. For some stupid reason, we find out like it's not only is the town being controlled by the NWA, which I think is so funny, but it's now all of all of the UK is somehow being controlled by these shadow governments, and that is what they're setting up for Hot Fuzz. Just zooms out to the global view, and you've just got like little circles of people exactly. everywhere. Oh my god. Okay, so my question is. I think a big part of Hot Fuzz being so great is the music, like the uh, Fratellis. And, um, Absolutely. Like, I think, just pretty much, like, Edgar Wright has great music taste. Um, let me see, what is, what, let's, what is the soundtrack to Hot Fuzz? It's great. Um, XTC, the Fratellis, um, Eels, the Fratellis pops up a lot. Um, Supergrass, the Trogs, the Kinks. Like, what are the yeah. replacements? What are I feel like it's more of like a butt rock vibe. And for those who don't know, like butt rock, I'm like talking about like Def Leppard. Okay. <laughs> like Def Leppard yeah, and like hair I mean, rock. Yes, I I completely agree. Hair rock. Um, or depending on like how this movie plays out, possibly like a combination of both. But like the yeah, have this like. Tune in my mind. The only yeah. thing I can do is play it out. All kiss. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, it's like, dude, dude. You know, like yeah, that, yeah. like noir detective. Yeah. Weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's as the original. At the end of the day, the original Hot Fuzz is a ten out of ten. Uh, this remake, Blockbuster remake, is like a five out of ten. <laughs> Correct, but it has it all will, the same characters. It will exceed its budget. It will, yeah, sales. exactly, and it will get sequels for some stupid reason. Because uh, you all spend money on it, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> a blockbuster a Coronado trilogy. Shaun of the Dead is now directed by Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> but the World's End is now directed by uh, David Fincher. Oh my god. <laughs> And we got it. Um, all right, uh, chat. Anything you guys have to add it to? What would be the blockbuster remake? Grumble says the soundtrack is just all kiss, which I could also <laughs> see. Ugh. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh, I guess we already kind of established that. Never mind. What? what? I was gonna say setting. Setting. I, I think really it's in America now. Um, I like. Obviously, I kind of like yeah. Detroit. I kind of like Detroit. Uh, yeah, maybe I was like, thinking, like they get sent from like Chicago NYPD or Chicago or something. To like, De- oh, it could even be like De- Detroit to like Ann Arbor. Oh, that would be funny. Or like, uh, uh, like Windsor to Detroit. <laughs> crossing the border from going for a Canadian, <laughs> or it would be the other way. There'd be an American cop, and then they would go to the Canadian oh. <laughs> office. <laughs> Actually, yes, that's, that's so much better. They that's... have to go to like small town Canada. They got a transfer, Nicholas. <laughs> oh my God! Because of course, any blockbuster in Detroit is gonna show it in like a really stupidly negative, like gritty way. <laughs> then he's gonna go to across the bridge to Windsor and just see. Oh my God! Oh, I want to make that movie now. <laughs> just so oh <laughs> let's God. start filming tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, that's so. good. I will tweet Fred Armisen tonight. Yeah, I'll I'll start calling all my contacts, okay. and then uh, obviously like I feel like the the, the like we le- don't learn like the whole like twist until later in the Hot Fuzz. I feel like we learn it like 
immediately. There's probably like, like the first scene probably isn't even like Nicholas Angel. It's probably like the, the secret organization meeting, like kind of like as a flashback <laughs> or something. Oh my god! Oh, I think that's it. It's ruined. It's awful. It's ruined. You did it. You did it, audience. Audience, you made us you ruin made us do this. I hope you guys like it. You basically held a knife to my throat. Yeah. Made, made um, this movie bad. <laughs> yeah. Next week we're watching Nightcrawler. I think Nightcrawler will actually be like a nice change of pace um, because I feel like Nightcrawler is the... Have you seen it? Yes. Okay. And I will actually commit to watching this one again because yeah, I've only really seen Nightcrawler... I've only seen maybe, it once. Maybe once or twice. I, I hesitate to say twice. I know I've for sure seen it once. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be... A, I, from what I remember, it is a slower paced, like slower... It's really good. Jake, I think it's really good. I really like Jake Gyllenhaal. So I don't know if you remember, but uh, a mutual friend of ours and I used to have movie nights and we uh, we just watched Jake Gyllenhaal (laughs) every night until he went to the Marines. Hell yeah. For like six weeks. This was one of them. Jake Gyllenhaal is absolutely awesome. Um, He's he's one of my favorite actors. So, and I mean, like, color is fantastic so we'll watch that i like i said good change of pace because that movie is much has a much slower burn (laughs) to it yeah first Um, time watchers the editing won't hurt your brain right exactly there's a lot of real i remember from i do remember it it being being like a lot of really beautiful slow shots of just night and it's not an x-men film for anyone who thinks who's (laughs) like oh we're gonna watch an x-men film for next week no it's called nightcrawler but it has nothing to do with a blue guy with a tail no, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it, so buckle up. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's intense. Um, all right, so that was ruining movies. Uh, the Hot Fuzz episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I know I did. <laughs> that was a blast. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm excited for next week. We don't have really that much to talk about next week. Like, we don't have any TV shows. We don't have any movies coming out. So. Hopefully there's a lot of news in the next week. Yeah, well, good news, hopefully. I'd yeah. like to see a couple of trailers drop this week. That'd be sweet. Just yeah. give us something. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Grumble Now. He said great hey, listen. Bud. You guys are doing great. You're, you're Appreciate you're great. you coming out. Yeah. Thank thank you guys all for coming out. Um, yeah. This conversation has been great. I, I, I know we're both trying to bring chat into these um episodes more because honestly it you guys are what makes this podcast so mm-hmm. great like what you guys say um i love hearing all your input i love that you guys vote on the things so we can make it um it's really you guys it wouldn't be a podcast without you guys so thank you guys yeah. and if you are watching this future tuesdays 6 p.m eastern um you can find it either at twitch.tv slash farm goat at twit or twitch.tv slash bring the shane those are our two channels um, Shane, let's do plug plugs and then get out of here. Like get out yeah. of here. I mean, we're going to go play for the King. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm bring the Shane. You can catch me live at twitch.tv slash bring the Shane. If you like what you see, go to discord and communicate with us. We're great. Come have fun. Vote on our polls. Yeah. You know, also there's another podcast that uh farm goat's about to tell you about. Yeah. Hi everyone. That's me. My name's Zach or farm goat. That works. Um, did Gosh. I introduce our also hostess podcast? <laughs> I don't think I did. No, I didn't do the thing where I point at myself and say, that's me. 
All right, so if you've listened all the way through and you don't know our names, hi, my name is Zach. My other co-host is Shane. I forgot, I forgot to do that. Um, anyway, you can find, like I said, you can find me at twitch.tv slash farmgoat. I uh, play on a bunch of roleplay servers, so if you want to watch stories about that. My newest character actually uh, is based off of the guy from Nightcrawler, and he's a psychopath. And that's GTARP, so come check that out. Um, I also have a channel called Farm Goat Plays. Um, which this podcast will no longer be on that channel. So if you so go to go to Farm Go Plays, you can see a bunch of um, me and Shane playing games together, and a bunch of me playing other games that infuriate me. Um, ruining movies now for all those watching live, um, for you guys watching in the future. Ruining movies now has a YouTube page. You can find it. It's called Ruining Movies. It has our logo on it. Um, it took me. <laughs> 73 hours to upload all of our episodes up to it. They are not out yet. They're not released yet. They'll be releasing all May 1st. Um, but you can find us, all those live episodes on Ruining Movies starting May 1st. Along with that, I have uploaded them all to Spotify. So in a couple days, they should get past Spotify's, like, making sure, like, we're not doing evil things in our podcast. Um, so you should be able to listen to it. Uh, the audio version of this podcast on Spotify. So if you want to listen to us in the car or while you're doing other stuff, you can now listen to our voices doing that. Um, then last but not least, the various thing we've done is flame Zack Snyder and Disney. <laughs> and Disney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> they can take it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then our other podcast, Survival Check, is a D and D fifth edition podcast where me, Shane, and our co-host Anderson and our other co-host Tevis, who keeps getting eaten by the animals, um, talk about the monster man, the monsters of the fifth edition monster manual. Each episode, we go into a monster of that week um, of that episode. Uh, we're going from A to Z. We are currently on cloakers. Um, it is a blast. If you are looking to enhance your games by learning more about the monsters you're using in them, it's a good resource for that. But it's also funny if you think we're funny here and like our voices uh we're equally as funny maybe even funnier sometimes on survival check because there's not a live audience <laughs> so we really yeah, go off the true. rails sometimes <laughs> yeah that's true we usually just think you know oh, the editor will take care of this and, and i'm uh, the editor i don't <laughs> <laughs> i used to but now i don't <laughs> survival check is us just uncut <laughs> yeah, really. You can find that on uh, Spotify uh, soon. That YouTube page is also getting updated. Um, so expect that soon to so you can watch the videos of that. It's not going to be our faces, but it has a nice little visual. Um, so the YouTube will be updated. Spotify is also going to be updated. Oh, we're a couple episodes behind, but I, I finally finished those up. I've been doing my producer job, so those will be out soon. Um, and then the last thing I really have to talk about is uh, my YouTube channel where I review movies um, and trailers kind of by myself. They're like just 60 second clips, much shorter, not as funny. Um, is was Farm Goat says, I am currently rebranding it. Um, I'm doing a lot of rebranding stuff right now, so the new name will be out soon for it. Um, and that will be a lot more active. Um, but right now it's Farm Goat says, so go check that out if you want more in depth. Um, more in-depth, I, I don't. I want, I want to say academic, but not really. Academic takes on movies, because I think we're, we are pretty intelligent here. Um, sometimes. 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 Um, but that's it. That's it. Um, oh, one last thing. I, I need to like have a big whiteboard like behind my. How many YouTube like, channels do you have? No, that's it. I only have survival check four. 
I was right! Oh my god, that was a shot in the dark! I oh, have survival engine. check, ruining movies, Farm Goat plays, and then Farm Goat says, which I think it's going to be named Off Center Entertainment. Um, because that sounds more like it's a movie thing that Farm Goat says. Um, but four. I currently have four. Four, nice. four YouTube channels, two podcasts, one live stream. <laughs> you know, pandemic got me to me. That's a thing every day. That's a thing. That is pretty much a thing every day. Um, I'm trying to make this all work because that is my background and I have a degree in it. Dude, uh, you're killing it. Thanks. I've been doing a lot of work, so hopefully. Thank you for letting me ride your coattails. Hell yeah, we're going. We're going to the moon. <laughs> to the moon. The whole baby. idea is if I shotgun a bunch of content out of there, something will stick. Um, hopefully, I'm attached to one of them. Absolutely. Those if we're we're going together, this I'm is a little like solo Spider-Man journey. Spider-Man in Infinity War, like <laughs> exactly. accidentally going to space. Exactly. You're famous now. No, you're a stowaway. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, we're gonna get out of here. Um. After all, every podcast episode, we usually hang out for like another two hours, hour and a half, and play video games. So this week we're playing For the King. So if you're still here listening, it's gonna be a banger. We had a lot of fun with it last yeah. week. Yeah. And yeah, that's the episode. Bye. Bye.